Welcome to the Developer Spotlight on the Full Dive Gaming Podcast. In the Developer Spotlight, we sit down with VR industry professionals. This week, Jay and Nat are here with Edward Felix of Mighty Coconut. You probably know him from the wildly popular Walkabout Mini Golf Game. Thank you so much for coming on, Edward. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. Yeah, let's go. We're so excited. We love Walkabout, if you don't know that, but we also love Asterian products. They make all kinds of VR accessories. I've got a couple of their light-up RGB stands here on my desk. Go check them out on Amazon. Code FULLDAT10 is going to save you 10% on us. Edward, I don't know if this is possible, but if people have never tried Walkabout or heard about it yet, what is the game for those weirdos? <laughs> okay, so if you've been living in a cave on Mars for the mm-hmm. past five years, uh, it is a mini golf game in VR. It's uh, ridiculously popular in the sense that we all love it when we're working on it, but occasionally we are just going, they do know it's a mini golf game, right? And we <laughs> super love it. And we're always just happily surprised that everyone else feels exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing game because it brings so much fun. Like it's a social game while you're having fun. It's a good way to like connect with others while doing cool stuff in VR. We love it so much. As Jay said, we played a ton of Walkabout. We love it. We love playing it with different groups of people. What has the journey been like from developing it and having it grow as much as it has in the past few years? Okay, so when it began, it was actually a lockdown project from Lucas. So Lucas runs Mighty Coconut, which uh, traditionally was an animation studio. Mm. And so it was, you know, you'd hire up for a project, then between projects, everyone would go off, do their own separate things. And uh, with, you know, stuff not really happening in lockdown, Lucas was working on this uh, phone game, which was Walkabout Minigolf. The idea is it used the new sort of AR features where you could sort of wave your phone around And while working on it, the Quest 1 released and he was like, oh, you know, okay, you know, this is worth playing around with. And he had some connections uh, from, I believe, a previous project or friends at Meta. And so he was talking to people and they're like, oh, yes, yes, you definitely need to be making this. And they really pushed it uh, from just a phone game where it very probably would have gotten lost on the app stores, because when was the last time you went and looked up? a game on a phone into effectively what it is now. And it's funny because, I mean, they really knew their market. They went, no, no, it's got to be multiplayer. It's got to be this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And okay, I think the things they really pushed were it needs to be VR and multiplayer. That's the list. That's the Mm -hmm. whole list. But they were so on the money there. And Good list. Yeah, good list. Absolutely. (laughs) And so sort of, you know, the gameplay was worked out, which just had that first level. And then before release did the following three, And so it just released uh, sort of no fanfare very quickly through word of mouth. Everyone was like, now this, this is what we wanted for VR. Mini golf. Just wanted to stand very still and wave our arms a very small amount. You could describe it as almost a game. That's the appeal of VR in a weird way, though. It's funny how many times we just simply ask for like, give us something that's like real life, but with the beauty of VR, the ability to go to all these different places. Mm, And that's what Walkabout really delivers on to me. So Well, it was funny because it, it came out and it was still just Lucas. So there was really no one else. It was just a little project for fun. I got talking to Lucas, I think, two days after it came out and I was said, you know, I'm here to do modeling whenever you need. And I very quickly joined him because he goes, oh, we're we're wanting to do more stuff. And the game just exploded. And the team has just gone in size. There's now like, I think 30 of us, which is pretty sizable for a small games company, especially because we're all effectively supporting this one game. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't into mini golf Um, (laughs) and this game just, I saw the trailer on launch day and I went, oh yeah, that looks pretty fun. You know, I'll I'll pop a few bob on that, you know, just see what it's like. I played one game by myself and messaged a friend going, you got to get this. This seems like a lot of fun together. (laughs) And then it absorbed my life. And so within two days, I'm talking to the developer going, mate, I don't know what you're doing, but it's, it's really incredible. And it turns out I wasn't alone. Just everyone agrees. But I don't know if anyone else like me actually plays (laughs) mini golf. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like you might be at a family fun center, some kind of an arcade mm-hmm. restaurant that has me golf. And it's never something or I go seek place. out. Yeah, I've never gone and sought out like, oh, let's go play mini golf tonight. But you're there, you do it, and you're like, oh, it's a pretty good time. And the funny thing, this game, actually, I had just totally not thought about it. I kind of ignored it. And there's a Australian content creator, Potato Batman. I believe he was one of the ones who was like, hey, I really want to play this game with you sometime. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. It looks great. I played one round and I was hooked. And I've played so much with any friend I could get in now. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's it's a weirdly addicting game. I, I feel like it's lightning in a bottle. I don't know if we're ever mm. going to capture that again. Uh, <laughs> it's all downhill from here as a company. You've peaked really early. Mm-hmm. I think, to, to be honest, part of the reason people love the game, the physics in the game feel great. The way mm-hmm. when you hit the ball, the way it bounces, mm-hmm. the directions. Like if you know your angles, you can work your angles in this game. And it, then it puts you in these awesome environments. Uh, so recently, JP from Mighty Coconut was on Play PS for the podcast and kind of revealed this weird secret that if you want the most realistic mini golf experience, you should take from where it, there's a power meter that allows how hard when you hit the ball, how far the ball space can go. And said so you should turn that power all the way down to zero. And then it's going to be more like having to swing and hit a real ball. What do you think about that? So it's funny until he mentioned it on that podcast, I was always playing with the default mm-hmm. settings. I, I like to try and recreate what the standard experience is so I can be mm-hmm. like, okay, well, this is what everyone's doing. I need to make sure we're checking for that. And he mentioned it on a podcast and I went, oh my God, I got to go try that. And it's true. It's absolutely <laughs> true. Surpri- I shouldn't be surprised. This is the only game I play. Like, you know, and it's like an hour a day at least, you know, checking for things. Um, it's it's certainly true. I'm always surprised when I now go and play mini golf. Just, oh my goodness, the putter's so heavy. Mm-hmm. And you hit the ball and it and it never goes as far as you want. And there's always some schmutt on the on the course that absolutely <laughs> just sends the ball in weird directions. But yeah, it it's certainly a much more realistic experience. Um, you can also get sort of a controller adapter. It allows you to mm-hmm. hold the controller like you would a putter. It makes it harder to move around, but you can absolutely get them and recreate uh, a more realistic experience that way, which is a lot of people seem to do and really, really, really like. Yeah, we actually have used the the attachable golf club things for Quest and um, our good friend, Mr. Tass, <laughs> likes to send us like his... Uh, his golf club grips and stuff like that. And they're awesome. They really add to the experience because, you know, you're not just using your little controller. It's like a real golf club, but not all heavy and awful. Power the club, baby. And so it's great. And, I, you know, playing the PSVR 2 version, do you think that there would be golf club grips that would work well for that because that's a little bit of a different controller that may not work well for that. I haven't really played it much in PSVR 2. I don't know if you have. So one of the issues with PlayStation VR 2 for just this game, it's not actually like an issue with the console, um, is that the game's designed to be played with one controller. Mm -hmm. The idea is that it allows you to get a better grip, more control, and feels more natural like you're you know, actually playing mini golf. Mm-hmm. It's one of those secret sources of the game. <laughs> Unfortunately, the PlayStation VR 2 controllers, uh, they're designed to sort of, the tracking ring sort of goes around your wrist. Mm-hmm. And so if you try and hold it with two hands, you cover up the tracking ring. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of hold it, your ha- your wrist in- with your other hand instead of the controller. And so, yeah, I, gosh, I'm trying to remember if I've seen <laughs> an adapter yet, but it will actually resolve that tracking issue and it'll give you a better experience. And because uh, people like to use these adapters, we now have uh, an, a thing in the game. Uh, it's in the options where you can uh, position your controller manually as where you want it to appear. So you can use any adapter. You can get, you know, a piece of pipe and duct tape and make yourself the best <laughs> adapter in the world. But it is something that I think will actually work really well on PlayStation VR 2. It, it might take a while for the adapters to really get out there because the Quest 2 is just so ridiculously popular yeah. and widespread, but it will fix this one problem. We got to tell our friend, Mr. Tasselhoff, to get on it and, and start working <laughs> on that because he does all kinds of 3D printing stuff. Fix the problem for us, Mr. Tass. <laughs> We're begging well, yeah. you, please. <laughs> I have a random PSVR 2 question I don't know if you know the answer to, but we noticed when playing Walkabout with some of our friends that have only PSVR 2 that their name comes up and at the end it's like WG. WMG. Oh my gosh. For WMG. Thank you. I'm like, 
what are the letters? <laughs> anyway, so it's at the end and we're like, is this like a special thing to like brand people that are playing it in PSVR 2? Is this something <laughs> that PSVR 2 makes them do? I don't know if you know. <laughs> Gosh, I'm not sure. You know, I'm going to sort of be here uh, typing away to the tech team going, wait, <laughs> <laughs> what is that about? So, no, I, I can't I can't answer that. I'm I mostly just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was really funny. I was like, wait, why do they have like the same thing at the end of their name? And I'm like, hmm, this is like one of those iPhone versus like Samsung things where there's like a little something different. So we can be like, ha ha. The green bubbles versus the blue bubbles. Yeah. Sent from my iPhone sent from <laughs> <Yeah>. my iPad. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny because we played with the guys from Play PSVR, the podcast, and both of them, they were like, Adam Bomb, WMG, or Alex something, WMG. And we're on Quest over here, and it was just J-Brat and Nat-Brat. It wasn't, there wasn't this weird WMG. And at first, we thought it was like some cool badge like they did. So they were like, how did you get that? And it turned out they didn't even realize that their names were just showing up different than ours. So just <laughs> just a little detail. No it's idea. It's that extra branding we really need. You're in the game playing it now, but we need to advertise <laughs> the game to you. What if you, you know, haven't heard of it <laughs> you know what i would kind of love if you put billboards on some of the courses for some of the other courses actually i think that would be yes. really funny <laughs> it's just like Ooh, look I at how cool that. this course is or try this course at night and it gives you like a little glimpse of what the hard course looks like because like the oh atlantis gosh, course yes. at night with the way everything glows it's oh, so beautiful if you haven't played so atlantis cool. on hard you're missing out on how good atlantis can look honestly so awesome it is a it is a slight shame. I feel that I I personally think the night courses are always the prettiest, mm -hmm. but I am really bad at this. Oh, game. They're, they're hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. There's me and a couple other developers who, despite years and years of playing for like an hour every day, we are still consistently terrible at the game. And we're <laughs> used amazing. as like internal testing really early days. It's like, oh, here's, you know, Edward. If he can get uh, under par, that course is way too easy. <laughs> or if he's scoring 30 over par, yeah, that feels about right. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, Maybe man. you just need to play through with the power all the way down and... You'll just be amazing at it. This is it. This is it. We need, <laughs> I feel like there's too much, too much luck. Not in the game, just in me and how awake I am during <laughs> the day. <laughs> I played one game uh, recently and it, it, I think it was on a live stream. It was the best game I've ever played in my entire life. I'm like, yes, this is the recorded one. I can never play publicly again. No one can know how rare this is. That's awesome. How perfect. Then everyone that doesn't listen to this podcast will think that you're just amazing at the game. So oh, no, no one listened to, to this episode. I'm going to have to bury this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to share. We're, we're actually going to downvote this and rate it badly. Do everything we can to hold it back. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, that's what you're doing. I just sent out, you know, Hitman. But okay, yeah, we'll just downrate the episode. Sure, why not? Boy, that's a little, I guess things in Australia are a little more serious than here. <laughs> Everything else is trying to kill you. Why not some extra people? <laughs> it's a funny detail that the WMG showed up on PSVR 2 and we actually have PSVR 2s. But my problem is like we've bought this game four or five times now. Yep. So we have it on every quest that we have so that I, we can take them over and play parties with people, friends and stuff. I, PSVR 2's got that better refresh rate. It's tethered. It's lighter. Are we missing out by not? getting this on PSVR. So functionally, no. The game should always play exactly the same on every platform. It's sort of like McDonald's. Wherever you go in the world, it's going to be the same. <laughs> Don't want to mess with what works. Mm -hmm. But also, it's nice that everyone's playing the same game because a lot of people play it very, very competitively. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're really dedicated to the game. The last thing we want to do is, is mess with those guys, make it better or worse yeah. for anyone else. So... The, uh, the physics always works the same. It always runs the same. But you do have some just graphics benefits over the quest. So mm. we are able to just have more details in the levels effectively appear further away. Uh, mm -hmm. Normally, when you're oh, far enough yeah. away from an object, uh, we do something that's pretty standard in gaming called a level of detail where it's far enough away that we... You know, fingers crossed, hope it won't be too noticeable. We swap it out with a lower detailed model mm -hmm. and it just means the game has less to process. Uh, but that's purely a graphical uh, with all that extra power on the PlayStation that effectively we're not using because we have it already so optimized. We can just say, oh, well, don't worry about that. You know, be higher quality wherever you go. And we 
uh, super sample. Same with the play, uh, PlayStation, the PC version of the game. We run it at a ridiculously high resolution because what else are we going to do with that power? Mm, yep. It's all just an extra powerful GPU, so may as well make it as crisp as possible. Um, nice. Which does occasionally lead to a fun problem that some people on Steam have it set to multiply their resolution and we're already doing that. And then they multiply it more and they're going, why isn't the game running well? And I'm going, ah, you're trying to process more pixels than there are atoms in the universe, sir. Please turn it down. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. I, I like that. I think it's something to point out here for people who haven't played it or haven't seen footage yet. The game, it's strangely beautiful inside, even though it doesn't look, it's not a realistic golf experience. It's meant to look like a lighthearted, cartoony nature, and it's really pretty when you're in it. So I always wondered like, oh, on PSVR, are they going to switch out any of these to make the game look totally different? Because it seems like it's a game that can run well enough on Quest because it's not extremely graphically demanding. Yeah, so effectively, uh, some decisions were made very early on in how we allocate resources. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly high poly count despite being a low poly aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Normally, that difference in detail is handled through textures and materials, which is much more uh, CPU heavy. So we don't, we leave the CPU entirely for the physics as much as we can. Smart. Which is great because we can run the physics uh, simulation thousands of times a second. So no matter how hard you hit a ball, it's not going to phase through something. It's always going to mm. catch it. And part of why it feels realistic is because we're really chunking that physics simulation and everything is involved in it. Uh, a lot of games, you have a lower resolution version of a model for physics testing. Not here. If you can see it, it'll bounce off it exactly as it looks. And so uh, instead, everything is just, you know, GPU trying to crunch all those triangles. So it's a fun split in just to make sure it, you know, works and feels right. Mm -hmm. That said, fun fact, despite it looking low poly, it is the highest poly game on Quest by wow. a huge margin because huh. we're not putting any of that energy into materials or textures. Yeah. We're just saying, hey, throw as many triangles as we can at the problem. And so because we aren't doing materials or textures in Photoshop, the only way to add detail to a model is to physically model it, which works really, really well in VR. The textures to solve a problem, it never feels right in VR because you don't have that depth. And so what we do is we just end up with, say, 600,000 triangles rendering in a level compared to, say, 80,000 on a standard mm. quest game, especially because you can see the whole level at one go. So it's mm -hmm. a bit of a technical decision. There's, there's a lot of weird sort of thoughts behind it that make sense for just this game and this game only. You know, when we inevitably do different games, it probably won't have the same feeling. Um, but it was, it was just like, okay, we're doing this one simulator and we're doing it really, really well. And it just all fell from that. That said, uh, one of the most important things for a world feeling real isn't the realism. It's just consistency. As long as everything is consistent, mm. everything obeys the same rules. So, um, I'm the head of the modeling team. So I've got a bunch of rules that, you know, for all the other modelers that we sort of discovered work best. So we try not to have a polygon or a triangle, which you can see, you can see all of them be smaller than the the palm of your hand that is mm. sort of our our lowest size anything smaller than that we either try not to have be you know just there at all or we treat it a little differently so it's uh, those little moon cakes on shangri-la they're actually more textured they're meant to pop out a bit because we end up using those for the uh nighttime fox hunt to unlock butter but otherwise if you look across the level uh, there shouldn't really be anything smaller than the palm of your hand and make just sure we have some rules so everything just feels Right. That is so interesting because I always wondered when it's more, it's not like super realistic graphics, but I've seen so many people like, they're like, oh, there's a wall, you know, in the game. They're like, Ugh! or like, oh, here's a table or something here. I'm going to, oh, that is not actually there. Just kidding. Or like, you know, the ball is like coming out and you're like, ah! and so it's, it's really interesting hearing how, like why it feels so realistic when it's not like realistic type graphics. It's just like that consistency. Could you tell us more about like the polygon stuff? Because I don't really know. I'm not that technical. I don't really know that much about it. What is that? <laughs> 
Is that just like the shapes? Okay, the so game? I'm hoping this is a universal thing we'll all be able to rely on. But do you remember when you were in school, say like 10 to 12 years old, you'd do a thing called nets where you have something like a dodecahedron or a cube and you like cut it oh. out in paper and flatten it and you can fold Kinda. it up into the shape? I feel like I remember something like that. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, this, this weird activity that like all 10-year-olds seem to do in school where you're given sort of a, it's like a paper model and you can make yeah. a shape out of it. Effectively, that's the same, except each flat side is a polygon. It is a triangle. In a game, you just, you can only calculate, the computer can only handle drawing flat triangles and everything else is to disguise the fact that everything you see on any computer is a flat triangle. Normally, uh-huh. games don't lean into it. Like we have lent into it and said, you can see every flat triangle. It's all there. Please enjoy. But normally, you know, you try and make it look curved. You put details on it. But every computer game that you're seeing is just flat triangles uh, in fun disguises, effectively. We've just lent into it as the aesthetic as it's unlocked other areas for us. It's mm-hmm. kind of a, a good explanation is like why the first Tomb Raider game, Lara Croft's uh, triangles look so <laughs> triangular. That's polygons. <laughs> they have to be triangles. And that was like two triangles. It was terrible. Looking. I love the second you said the first Tomb Raider game. I instantly knew. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God, I know where he's going and he's That's right. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was for lower Anyone graphics. It was hard. It yet, now they're like, yes, I oh, understand. Of course. <laughs> Uh, oh I had to I had to get to the lowest common denominator there for that to get out of the technical <laughs> jargon. But like like Nat was saying, basically, we played a lot of rounds of this and I've seen more people almost fall down trying to lean against some rail in the game or try to touch something, try to grab something. And they're like, why do I think this game is more real than Half-Life Alex or something like that? Like, why is it this is the game that's tripping me up and I keep trying to touch the world? So that's interesting that the game becomes immersive if you keep it consistent, you make sure the physics mm-hmm. never foul up it's it's like it's just you just don't break the immersion and mm. that immerses people yeah it's effectively not drawing attention to it it's like one big magic trick where you know if, if a magician's going to make a rabbit appear the rabbit's already there he's just distracting you from when it actually turned up we're effectively uh drawing attention away if you're just talking with your friends you're playing the game mm. you're mm-hmm. not noticing and then it's just an accepted reality mm. um Another element is that in VR, currently there's only one fixed point of focus, just in terms of technically the lenses are spaced a certain way that at about one and a half to 1.6 or so meters, the world is most in focus. Um, And it's both good slash tiring for your eyes in a bunch of different ways. Uh, There's a whole bunch of talk about new technology called varifocal lenses, which may or may not ever come out. Mm. But it means that whatever is at that depth feels the most solid. If you ever try to hold something, you know, reading a letter in a VR Mm -hmm. game, you try and hold it up closer Mm -hmm. because it'll make the text bigger and you just can't focus on it because it's out of that field. Mm. And so wherever we are in the game, we try and make it that that is where you have the most detail. Uh, obviously as well, because you're always looking down and putting outside of the greens, we try and make sure that the borders of the holes and the ground around the holes has a lot of detail. But wherever you are, things should generally be about one and a half to two meters away. Not so close that you feel like you're being crowded, but so you can just say, oh, that yeah, it's there. I can feel it. It's just there Mm. and that is our long-term plan to injure everyone by having them try and lean on things (laughs) in games it's one big insurance scam (laughs) come to find out mighty coconut is like the biggest insurance company in the world under another name (laughs) that'd be a great conspiracy theory let's get this one going i love it (laughs) that also makes sense when you talk about that range i mean when you're looking down and you're putting that's kind of exactly the distance to the ground to the ball to your putter and you mix that in with the cocktail of physics that never foul up and Mm -hmm. it just seems like the game doesn't really have glitches that i've run into when it comes to how the ball is moving and how you play it so Mm -hmm. i i I feel like we finally understand now why people are falling down and the next time someone falls (laughs) in the game i'm gonna give them this lengthy explanation (laughs) it's like someone trips slightly and you're going ha 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 i've unlocked my lecture (laughs) finally this is the moment it's like that moment when your friend's waiting for you to be like i wonder how they do that because you know and you're ready to throw it well (laughs) having just read the imdb 
be trivia before we sat down to watch the movie. I <laughs> yeah. have the exact answer right I'm going to annoy everybody all movie long. <laughs> oh, we, we love VR. We love showing VR to brand new people to it. And now they're all going to be falling down and walk about. But I'm curious <laughs> to you, we went to a convention last year. We showed VR to like hundreds of people. And we, we went with Beat Saber, Job Simulator, and Super Hot because those are three games. It was like hand them a controller, tell them hit start. And that's you can just play it. We didn't have walkabout. We weren't really aware of it at the time. What do you think about conventions and walkabout mini golf? Is it going to be easy enough for people who are completely new to VR to just step into this game and go? Hopefully the idea is the controls. It's sort of um, really easy to play, really difficult to master. It's got a, it's like mm. flappy bird, you know, mm -hmm. instantly yeah. one control. We all knew how to play it. And none of us could beat it. Mm. Uh, it's, it's much the same as that. You can go in, you can just hold one controller and you just swing it around. And if you click the trigger, you teleport to the ball. You don't need any other controls than that. There are more controls there. You can sort of teleport around. You can pick up balls. You can replay the last shot visually. You can become a giant and look down at things. Yes. But say if you wanted to show it to your grandma, you can just say, hey, ignore everything. But if you click this, you'll appear next to the ball and then you just swing. And everyone can do that effectively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of effort into making sure that the game is still playable when you're sitting for players who can't stand for long periods or people who are wheelchair bound, you know, always making sure you can find all the lost balls that way. And the idea is that anyone can play it, but actually being good at it is a whole other mountain to climb. Mm. I feel like that's the key. That makes a lot of sense because you don't have to spend a whole lot of time. You don't have to get frustrated, like just getting into it. You just get frustrated because you're like, I want to be good at this, but I'm exactly. not. And you'll <laughs> see, hopefully that that extends to all other areas of the game. If you want to, you know, play a level, you can just open it, shoot into it, nothing else. If you want to play with friends, you just put the same word in. You don't have to figure out who's hosting, doing stuff. You just say, this is our code word. And if you mm -hmm. want to play with a stranger, it's it's sort of a one button click into it. It's it's just trying to make sure that. that it's as easy to get into as possible. VR is already difficult to get into both because, mm -hmm. you know, the headset's still expensive and sort of fiddly to put on. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to play a game, but I don't like the idea of standing up for ages. And I got to go <laughs> and make sure the headset's charged. And yes, hopefully even think, just putting it on your head, you're like, Ugh, it feels so tiring <laughs> when you do it. It doesn't. But thinking about right. it, it's like there's a whole other step. The idea yeah. is you think, oh, maybe mini golf. And you just think, oh, I can do that. There is no effort. Yes. I'm in there. That is so true. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's a lot less daunting to think of like, hey, this is a game that's going to be fun. It's easy to get into. I'm hanging out with my friends. That is so true. And another thing that makes this game so fun, you talked about some of the other little fun things like being able to like, you know, become humongous and look down and fly around and stuff like that. There's also the fox hunts that are in the hard courses. There's so much fun. There's hidden details, especially in like the newer um, courses, little Easter egg things like kitty paw prints that you follow around, skeletons, which are those in all of them. I'm wondering how much work does it take to create like these little puzzles and Easter eggs and things like that. So in terms of designing the fox hunts, that's done by Henning. He's our main mm. level designer. So he mm. uh, figures out how a hole should play, how it should feel, and he'll figure that out. That's really like his domain. Um, and the fox hunts were something he used to do back when uh, Mighty Coconut just did animation. They uh, did a trip out to Belize, I think, when working on this short film. And he just was like, oh, I'm going to make treasure hunts for the other, you know, our crewmates. And he called them fox mm. hunts. And it was just a uniquely fun, wonderful thing he did that had the crew running all around the island. And we just so thought fun. it'd be a really fun thing to put in. The lost balls were there from the beginning. It was always an element of the game, which is just, you know, an extra bit of fun. Mm -hmm. But the fox hunts were something that came later when we were going, oh, we want to have putters. We want to have clubs. We want to have something like the lost balls for the hard levels. And... You know, we'll never take that away from him. It was, it's his baby since long before Walkabout Mini Golf. And I have a feeling that any other games we do, we're going to have to put fox hunts in them. <gasps> yes. You know, for Henning. <laughs> I'm not sure. What I do you follow that. up Walkabout Mini Golf with? 
Walk about volleyball? I don't know. That's that's a tough one because I think about like the forever games, like the forever bowling and the forever darts, and and not none of them are bad games by any means, at least that I've tried. But it's always like, oh, there's another sports game, and is it, is it really going to have that magic? Because mini golf is just perfect, and I I do agree with you. That's a tough thing to solve. Is like, where do you go next? I honestly think it's walk about mini golf too. <laughs> you know, so I I think just stick with it. You've done it right. Don't don't deviate. It's my advice but if we do walk about mini golf too we've just split the player base i mean we can put whatever features we want into a new level uh depending on how you know uh evil we're feeling to the programmers any day you know (laughs) how much we hate them and go how much of old code do you want to rip out and replace but we can put it all in the original game and that way you don't have to think oh i want to play mini golf with my friends oh we're going to be in the first one we're going to be in the second one oh my god what's happening so i think just Mm. dlc forever forever and ever and ever until we all die actually you know what even after People we die, we'll all die of old it. age, walkabouts forever. That's right. <laughs> I wonder about that. And so the game came out, it started with, I don't know the exact numbers, but I feel like it was maybe four to six levels that all are included. And you've been dropping more and more that are DLC. Some have been free. Some are paid $3 a course and you end up with this course to play. You added one called Upside Town, which sounds like Upside Down. So some people thought it was going to be like a Stranger Things uh, level, but it's not. It's one that has all the normal physics of golf, but there are these pads that will change the way gravity works for the ball. And when it came out, I feel like it was the most controversial one that's ever come out. I saw a lot of opinions that loved it and a lot of opinions that were like, that's ruined the game. How did you (laughs) react as the company? Like, how did you feel about people's reaction to that one? So one of the things with this level is it takes a while to get used to. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd, we we work on a level for at least a year before it comes out. And so wow. I think we had sort of forgotten that process. You know, it, it, it broke my heart that people didn't like it. But oh. thankfully, the... We are so lucky. I know there are there are some gamers out there who can sometimes be a bit mean to game devs or other players. Mm. They aren't in walkabout. Every single one of the community is always so freaking lovely. And even the most negative things, people went, oh, this course isn't really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they explained why and they went, oh, I don't like it. It feels weird. You know, I'm craning my neck in a weird way. You know, I'm not super feeling this. But it was always, I'm not super feeling this. It wasn't Mighty Coconut or all the devil. Um, you know. <laughs> I'm sure they'll realize that we are at some point, but they didn't catch (laughs) on yet. (laughs) Thankfully, though, um, as the level grows on, it does seem to have an effect where it does grow on you. A lot of people who didn't Mm -hmm. like it initially uh, have come around. And it's funny because when it came out, I was like, this is it. This is the best level we've ever done because it is so absolutely weird. Yes. Uh, Both in that, I really just love the level design. I think we all had a lot of fun just hiding things in it, putting references Mm. to things. There is a lot of stuff hidden in that level. I'm still not sure mm. if people have found it all. It's like the mist level. We just oh, hid stuff. We just, just put as much stuff in as we could. But also, I just thought the gameplay was really, really silly, fun, and unique. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can totally get why that wouldn't be people's cup of tea. And But a lot of people have since over time just gone, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes I am in the mood for absolute madness. Mm-hmm. But I don't it's think so it's going to- cool. I don't think it's going to get into the uh, competitive arena of games because the skills you need for that level don't apply anywhere else. Yeah, true. There'll be just one certain like group that is like, we only play this course and they get really good at that course. Oh, I I can't do the pirate level. Gravity is all in one direction. I don't know what to do now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. So... That level is amazing. I'm like upside town, ta- upside downtown or upside town. Now I can't remember. Which upside town. Upside town. Okay. Yes. It's so cool. There's like all the stuff going every which way. I freaking loved it when I went in it because I like weird things. So I thought it was awesome. I mean, there's a little bit of neck craning, but you know what? It's worth it. And so there's some other amazing courses in Walkabout that are based on older movies and literature. You mentioned like Mist, which I was so freaking excited for the Mist course. Awesome. Are there any new movies or IPs you're hoping to work with and to get into a new course in the game? 
So yes, obviously we're always wanting more stuff. One day we're going to get to the point where people are approaching us. That's mm. the dream turning yeah. point. <laughs> we do work on levels like a year in advance. That is, it takes about a year to make a level. And with an IP, it, it is a much longer working process because it's not just, oh, we did this. We think it's good. We need to make sure it works with them, both in the sense that they think we're not being rude, but also it just checks and balances and it's a lot mm-hmm. of legal work. And we like to go and work with them directly early on in the level course so there are ips we just haven't announced yet and there are ones we're pursuing if you're trying to think of an ip that'll make a really good course it's got to be something where the environment is a character in itself so Mm. a show that i think is really really funny uh is The Office because everyone on it is a terrible person, but they're all really, really funny. <laughs> but The Office itself doesn't contain much allure. It's a bit of a character because they all sort of hate it, mm-hmm. but you don't think, oh, my God, that's the desk. That it, I, I know that desk. If I saw that desk on the street, I'd be like, that's the desk. <laughs> so I don't think, say, that would make a very good level because all of that, the character's labyrinth was a level that was great mm, because while it was our yes. first time really putting in some characters, the labyrinth is a character. Mm-hmm. Same with mm. Mr. Mr. Island yes. is a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meow Wolf is one that we have announced that we're working on. I mean, that's just <laughs> not to spoil anything. But that level is so weird and magnificent. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, I'm so excited for people oh, to see. It's just out there. You're going to have a great time. Yes. <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, but yeah, effectively... Whatever I think of things that I want to do is obviously whatever I'm obsessed with at the time. You know, if I do a Bioshock replay, I'm like, oh, my God, it's got to be Bioshock because mm-hmm. Rapture is a character. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about things that are characters. Say, for example, I don't I love Spider-Man. Really excited for that new Spider-Man game. I don't think Spider-Man would be a fun level because you aren't Spider-Man and you aren't playing with Spider-Man. And we already did New York. It's upside town. That's exactly what real New York is life. It's a one-to-one recreation. <laughs> the next thing is you got to tell me what you want. as like, What would be your dream oh. level? What what world is like a character that you want to like go around? Okay. So before I say that, I have to know, are you talking about the British office or the American office? This is going to be the one time in the history of the earth that I think the American one was funnier. Oh, my gosh. I'm so surprised. Especially as Australians, we're technically owned by Britain. Right. Uh, Each of us know (laughs) the Queen personally. Well, we did, you know. (laughs) But, I mean, as much as I love Stephen Merchant and listening to his beautiful voice, which is, you know, why you can replay Portal 2 on repeat, I do think the American one was a bit better. But the second the BBC comes to us and offers us Doctor Who, you know, I'm just... I'm launching myself. I think the the American office too, it just has that little bit of optimism, I think, that makes it more fun, I guess. Um, Anyway, I feel like some American audiences would be thrilled to have a walkabout like office because they would be like, I know this exact desk because I have watched these episodes 10 million times. You would have to bring in the props because the desk isn't recognizable. But if you had to bounce the around Jell-O. Dwight's Jello covered stapler yes. or something, that would then tie it Just in. Just all I'm, of Jim's pranks. Yeah, there's like little things like that that you could pull it off. It would take some creativity. Uh, as far as what would I love to see in mm. it, I mean, obviously there's some game franchises. I think about something like Mario 64, where it had Ooh. all those different weird worlds and the castle and even just the Mario franchise. Cool. But I'm trying to think what is like an iconic VR game so we can come full circle mm. here and bring a VR game itself into which you kind of did because Mist was re-released in VR yeah. but mm. I would love to see something like ooh, I don't even know we brought up Half-Life Alex earlier but I think like if you could take like Astrobot's not the most known VR game but it's one of my favorites it was a PlayStation VR exclusive Astrobot. And I'm like, oh, some of those worlds would be so cool to revisit through that. But Nat, did you have an answer for him? Well, one of my favorite games is Spyro. (laughs) That would be cool for me. I would be very excited. Any VR thing that would be like Spyro world, I'd be like, yes. And also, Jay, you mentioned earlier Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. People would be super into that. So that would be really cool. Stranger Things would be perfect for the night courses, the upside down. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's right there. Just the same course, but swapped. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I feel that that must happen. 
Yes. All right. If you can get them to just reach out to us. I feel like there may be a reason that that would make more sense in the future. Anyways, <laughs> Walkabout Mini Golf is for those of you out there who haven't bought it and there is some reason you haven't pulled the trigger yet. It's only $15 on platforms, which comes with a lot of game. And then the way it works after that so is good. these new courses that have been added are $3. The really cool thing about it, though, if you have a course and your friend doesn't, they can play on a guest pass. They can't join you That's in so searching nice. for the lost balls. They can't do that stuff, but they can still play the course even if they haven't bought it. So my question to you, Edward, do you see a future possibly where the game is big enough that you say, you know what, we're going to make Walkabout free to play, take away that $15, and then the DLC would fund the game or cosmetics? Do you ever see anything like that happen? Personally, that's... Adam, my control, but I've already said that, you know, we're probably not going to do a sequel because it splits the player base and it, mm -hmm. we want it to be as accessible as possible. Effectively, it depends on whether the DLC is doing well enough that we can just keep going as a company. Um, we haven't been, you know, squirreling away, you know, money like a big dragon hoarding pile of gold. <laughs> we just keep hiring more people to make more stuff and do it faster and better. So effectively, if, you know, if, if we could just keep going on the DLC as we were, I, I can see that being like, you know, a real, you know, discussion being had going, okay, well, is this something we want to do? It's going to bring in a lot of people. It's going to cost a lot more in server funds, but, you know, it'll make it a lot more accessible. And But effectively, it's, it's just not at the stage where the DLC sustains the game enough it's getting close because there's now like a good backlog of dlc and mm -hmm. you know we don't have to remake um you know the space station level every time someone plays no, that one was free we don't have to remake you know the labyrinth <laughs> level every time someone wants to buy it so that can just sit there and mm -hmm. keep going so you know in the future it's it's a possibility but we have to wait until it crosses that threshold before we can have that discussion so effectively never say never but I don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> Everyone buy it. Buy Everyone it now. Buy it so I, other people don't have to buy it. I think you crafted <laughs> you crafted the game in a way that people love it, but also kind of works against that because it's not like you let people buy a better putter for money. You don't buy special balls mm. for money. Like you find them, you go on these hunts yeah. and you get them already. And that's the way a lot of these companies monetize. And so correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think even like the avatars, I don't think there's any that you can pay for. But I think about if all those things had been from the start, something you had to pay for, it would probably make a lot of sense to be like, let's just make this free and live off the cosmetics. But you've already allowed people to have that without having to pay for it, which is a really cool thing for a company to do. It is awesome. Our design choices go in what's fun. That mm -hmm. is our be all end all. And internally, that ends up looking like what idea is the best. It doesn't matter who it comes from. Heck, mm -hmm. half the best ideas from the game have come from QA testing, who, you know, a lot of the times do get ignored at, you know, at, you know, in game development, it's whatever works best. And you can see that happening more and more as everyone likes to sort of put a bit more into the level. And so each time there's a new level, there's more people looking at it and everyone's allowed to put in what they think, you know, is fun, that the level mm. just feels more and more rich and alive. I mean, for example, Upside Town, everyone had to go at hiding some stuff because the level was so big. Effectively, mm. we didn't have to go, oh, I don't know. We don't have the space for that. Let's cut it down to something. Everyone just went, man, wouldn't it be really, really funny if there's a turtle in one of the sewers like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> there's a turtle. You know, I always love hiding corpses on the level because I think it's objectively hilarious. So <laughs> that, that's just me. That's just me doing that. <laughs> I don't do it for ones where it's an external IP because, you know, I don't want to drag their names through the mud, but I'm happy to drag my own. <laughs> I love finding up like like in the uh I can't I'm so bad at knowing like the name of things, but like the one that's like Candyland-esque. Um and there's like oh wait, I don't want to spoil it, but anyway, somewhere there's a corpse in there and I was like, ha! amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I personally try and put them in every level. Uh now I don't do it if we're doing an IP with someone because I don't want to say to everyone, hey, in Miss, did you know there are corpses there? Um <laughs> And also sometimes it just doesn't make it in. So technically the Jules Verne IP, you know, it's, we didn't have to work with someone that is, you know, free for all, but it just didn't feel right. It, and there was no place where it was so funny that it offset it feeling, you know, wrong. <laughs> Whereas right. say the Sweetopia level, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's wrong. It's a dark joke, but it's so funny that it absolutely <laughs> works. 
It's great. It's amazing. And so I'm basically, whenever I'm working on a level, I'm going, okay, if I were a serial killer, like a low poly serial killer, <laughs> where was there's this going to be some go? lore that's going to grow with this over time. I am I'm waiting for the Mad Pat episode. We, <gasps> I have internally yes. crafted, um, and it does occasionally come up in meetings. There's a reason why all the co- courses are abandoned of people. There's a reason why there are corpses. There, there are secret lore reasons, and I refuse oh. to talk about it until Matt Pat does an episode. Yes. Oh my gosh. We should just send this podcast episode to Matt Pat and be like, come on, do it. <laughs> so this makes me think of something that I'm really curious about talking about how big the so many of the courses are. And there's like all these places to hide like little Easter egg things and corpses. Have you heard about some people that play walkabout that don't even do the mini golf part? Have you heard about people playing hide and seek in the course? If so, or if not, what do you think about this? So, yes, uh, we love it. It's the reason why you can turn off name tags in the game. Originally, nice. you know, effectively, all these options kept on coming after the fact when we it started so simple. And when we heard about or discovered or players discovered new things, we went, oh, that's fantastic. We've got to help along with that. Mm. So originally, you could always see the name tag wherever you were, just a big floating yellow bar. But people were using it still. They'd try and figure out how to hide the name tag as well. But then we were like, no, nah, we've got to be able to turn that off. That is great. And it does lead to how we think about the courses. You know, in the labyrinth course, that labyrinth out there, you know, I modeled the whole labyrinth. It is traversable. It is solvable. And the entire time we were just like, well, we've got to have a labyrinth. People are going to hide in it. We've got to have the labyrinth. At that point, the level was so full, we couldn't afford to, you know, hide fun things to discover in the labyrinth. But we had to have the labyrinth because we knew people would hide in it. Yes. I think between the length of this episode for a developer spotlight and all of our comments, people can tell this is one of our most beloved VR games. So I want to say a special thank you. And I want to know, is there anything coming? Is there anything we haven't covered that you're hoping to talk about about the game? Anything you want to share with our audience here? We're very excited to hear it, of course. So this episode uh, will be coming out after June 1st, after the Meta Showcase. So I can talk about everything in the Meta Showcase. (laughs) We work so far ahead in the future. Um, Mm. You know, we do the level layout, you know, playing with the course, trying to make sure the holes all work. And that's always been slightly tuned and refined. And then we do art and then we do technical passes. And so the time I touch a level is like at the end of the art pass. And then there's months and months and months before it comes out. So people go, oh, this new level. And I'm going, oh, I remember that. It was so long ago. (laughs) Okay. So, yes, I definitely wanted to talk about everything at the Meta Showcase. But I will contain myself to stuff to do with our game. (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, the next level's coming out. It's based on Journey to the Center of the Earth. And it's coming out on June 8th. So, there's a lot of really, really, really fun stuff in this level, including... Now, we haven't shown it in the trailer, so I'll keep my my lips a little sealed. But the night mode or the hard version of the level has a new sort of gameplay feature that once you see it, you'll be like, oh, this makes perfect sense. But hopefully no one will guess for a journey to the center of the earth. So this is from our Jules Verne series. So we've done... um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which was a lot of fun trying to actually build that dang ship because I'm not sure for anyone in game dev, we often use tricks where if you go into a building, you've just teleported somewhere else. It doesn't actually have to work. Mm-hmm. But with this game, because you can see the whole level in one go, often seeing through things, it has to work architecturally. <laughs> the labyrinth is buildable. If someone has way too much money and doesn't want to waste it buying Twitter, They could build that. They could build that recreation of the labyrinth, including, you know, the castle and going underground. I mean, we have a texture to make that 18th hole look magical, but it's all there and it all fits together. Mr. Beast Project. Oh, my goodness. Why haven't we partnered with him? I just Mm. he's just going to make it real life for us. Yeah. Just choose a level. I'll go. It'll be great. Uh, Oh, I love it. Yes. The next level is Journey to the Center of the Earth, which we had teased by putting the poster in the shack. And unlike most of our levels where we like to announce what they are a couple days before release, this one we uh, have announced all three of the levels in that series by having them be coming soon. So everyone knows that at some point we're going to do Around the World in 80 Days, but you don't know how it's going to look or which part we're focusing on. So, you know... that mystery but yes journey <laughs> to the center of the earth 8th of june you're gonna have a lot of fun it's a very weird level but it's good traditional mini golf game so hopefully 
everyone love it. Uh, following that, we have announced our next series of levels, which is Evil Lairs. So if you imagine all the supervillains from, you know, James Bond, Austin Powers, The Incredibles, and also the entire comics industry, you know, so these aren't IPs, but it's it's that sort of supervillainry. It's just cool. if you had a super evil lair, where would you put it? How would you put it? And why is there a mini golf course through it? <laughs> Once again, I'm just paging MatPat. Um, and each of them has, you know, fun new sort of gameplay feature and a new sort of aesthetic for, you know, how we want it to look. But the first one that has been announced is Tropical Lair. So it's on a nice tropical island. Well, I sorry, we call it Tropical Lair internally. It's actually called Laser Lair. And it's got lasers. <laughs> it's got freaking laser beams yes. on the course destroying... Balls. <gasps> oh my gosh. It's. I'm so excited. It's <laughs> awesome. I am so excited. For, this is the thing. It's going to be months before you guys can play that one. I'm so excited <laughs> for you to play it. <laughs> We're going to be so excited for so long. <laughs> really excited for that one. Uh, our fox hunt. I know just early I said we're never taking them away from Henning, but we're taking it away from Henning. <laughs> the fox hunt for that level is being designed by the chap who designed Exploding Kittens. So oh. we're really, really excited to work with him. so freaking lovely. And so it's going to, we all know it's just going to be hilarious and difficult and probably a bit weird and different. But yeah, it's. It's fun. We're just working with an external, external little guy for that. So it'll be great. Love it. And last but not even the least is probably what I'm most excited about is the announcement finally of Pocket Edition. Ooh. We are releasing a phone slash tablet AR version of the game coming to iOS sometime Full this circle. spring. It's, mm. it's very, it's really cool. It's objectively not as fun as the VR version. You know, I'm, I'm a really good hype man. I'm really good for marketing. <laughs> but it's, I don't know about you guys, but you know, okay, we're all in VR. We all have way too many headsets, but most people mm -hmm. don't. Most people, mm -hmm. there's like one headset in the house and you want to play with friends and you mm. have to take the headset off and pass it to the next person. That doesn't really work because it takes so long to do that. And it's, oh my God. So you can play on your phone like it was originally meant to be played and it'll have everything. It has the entire game. In there, it'll have all the DLCs. Crossplay? It'll be, yeah, crossplay. Wow. <gasps> that is the main focus because we want to always have wow. crossplay. We want to have as many people be able to play as possible. You want to play with friends and family, there's the phone version as well to That's go along great. with the full headset version. And so you can just putt, you know, by sort of swinging the phone, which is really funny because suddenly there is a use for selfie sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, yes. <laughs> dig one out of the closet. <laughs> I went and bought a new selfie stick for this game. They do oh not sell gosh. them anywhere anymore. They no. were like everywhere at one point. And I was like, oh, I'll just pick one up. They're nowhere. And we are about to bring them back. Yeah. <laughs> just go, for go check out. the Ross discount clearance bin. There's a selfie stick <laughs> yes. in there somewhere. <laughs> that is amazing. And I've got to say, probably for the first time, that question had a really great answer because we always ask people that at the end of the episode. They're always like, oh, no, I think we've covered it all. It's like you had big stuff coming and I'm really excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, that we get to we get to talk about that with everybody out there. Nat, did you have anything final you were hoping to say here? Yeah, just want to say this has been so much fun. I thank you so much for coming on. It's always so nice to talk to a dev about a game that we freaking love and play all the time. So it's been so nice getting all our little questions at answered and like just learning fun little things and talking about the corpses in the corpses. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I hope you found all the corpses in gravity. There's, I think I cut it down at one point. There was eight. I think I cut it down to one and a half because oh they were the God. funniest ones. <laughs> but you know what? I still don't think anyone's found all the stuff on Mist. So, you know, there's everything in there. I hope you, you know, go back to searching. Yes. But seriously, no, thank you so much for having me on board. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, of course, if you're out there listening, we're going to have links in the description, in the show notes. So if you haven't gotten this game, you haven't checked it out. Maybe buy we'll even, it. Yeah, buy it. Maybe we'll even have a referral link down there to save you a little bit on it and get it because it's 
worth buying. And if you're out there, you're listening, remember, we're everywhere on the go, too. You can have us on your phone, just like you'll have Walkabout Mini Golf here soon, whether it's YouTube, Audible, Spotify, and vice versa. Come see the videos here, though, because that's where the good stuff is. That's where you're going to see these trailers and whatever we can show you. But again, VR is it's doing great. We're getting some AR mixed in. But if you haven't gotten a freaking VR headset yet, it's time. Dive on in. Dive on in. Dive on in.